Hey there, welcome back to the Northwest Audio Podcast, Midweek Formation, where we give some supplemental content to take your formation beyond Sunday morning. My name's Nick, I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke. Today we close out the conversation on the fruit of the Spirit, talking about the relationship between the fruit of the Spirit and the law. I just saw the Holy Spirit in my imagination drop into a half pipe. No way. And go, this is epic. What does he look like? Unfortunately, he kind of looked like a surfer dude. Oh. Yeah, that snowboarded in the winter, but surfed in the summer. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah. Um, so today we are talking about... The good stuff to close out the passage in Galatians. Um, and you know what? Why don't I just start by by reading that? Okay. Um, just one final time before we're done in this passage. I'll just go to the end. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Mm. Let me read that again because that's where we're staying. Against such things... Like the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the relationship between these fruit of the Spirit and the things that we all know and love as Christians and as believers. We're like, oh, yay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We're like, yeah, woohoo. Um, but I think sometimes we tend to disregard the idea of law. Um, and I think it's because we view the law as like bad. Um, you know, if we were to do it like very very caveman-like is how I think of it in my head of like law bad, faith good, you know, like works bad, grace, faith good. Um, that's just kind of how I, that was an amazing caveman impression, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> that's just how I think of it in my head. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we view the law as sometimes re very restrictive. Um, we view it as heretical because it's against this idea of grace. Um, and so like, yeah, it's anti-grace, anti-faith. It's just not, not about those things. And so we don't like it. We like to push it aside. Um, and so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about what is the balance between Holy Spirit, between grace, between faith, and between law. Um, how can those two things be together? How can those two things coexist? Um, the Holy Spirit and the law, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So, um, Luke, let's just kind of, I'm just going to kick it over to you and you can start us off with some thoughts. Sure. Well, it's just, man... How convenient. Those are the things that I wanted to talk about today too. No way. Yeah. You just cause? Just cause. Those are, these are the same things I wanted to talk about. You just woke up in the morning and you're like, man, I would love to talk about the law today. <laughs> okay. So getting right into it. Why in the world would Paul have felt the need to say against such things, there is no law. He could have ended by simply sharing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Why did he feel the need to clarify to a group of new Jesus followers that there is no law against such things? Well, the answer is a little simple. It, it's, it's, it's powerful, but it really is very simple. Everything was law up until the new covenant of grace. Everything was law. Mm. So even the things that weren't supposed to be law. <laughs> when the Israelites 
were set free from the 400 years of captivity in Egypt. They were set free under the leadership of Moses, the power of the Holy Spirit. They crossed the sea. Um, they eventually made it to the promised land. Uh, but, you know, after many years of wandering in the wilderness, but regardless, they were set free from, from Egypt. And when they left Egypt, the ask on them was to behave and function and operate like a group of people that had always been independent, mm-hmm. but they weren't. They had 400 years, many generations of slavery and captivity in Egypt. So I, I want you, I'm going to paint a, a parallel for our audience. Let's assume you knew someone who, um, this is hypothetical, so it sounds a little strange. Let's hypothetically say you knew someone who was born in prison. They were born in prison, okay? And they lived most of their childhood and their adolescence and into their adult life in prison. And then they got set free one day. Maybe they were a middle-aged man, a middle-aged woman. They were set free. And when they were set free, there was an expectation on them to go get a job, go Mm. get a driver's license, Um, go buy food and cook it. Uh, go find a place to live. Um, go be hygienic voluntarily. Mm. Okay? All those things are just completely out of their context. They have- there was, there was no um, independence that the Israelite nation enjoyed or practiced for four hundred years. The best way to describe the law, both the Mosaic law that comes from uh, Mount Sinai and the general expansive law of the old covenant is a measure of grace. Yeah. So I know this sounds really strange to our audience, but this is the power of God's word is that the law is even a demonstration of God's grace Mm. because the law gave guidelines to how to interact with other people, how to be hygienic, how to um, add value, how to be fair. So the law gave instructions where there were no instructions. Yeah, They were specifically to an Israelite nation that knew no independence for 400 years. If they didn't have guidelines or quote unquote rules or law, the law, they would have been floundering yeah. 10x more than they already did. Would have been chaos. Would have been chaos. So now the 10 commandments make a little bit more sense, don't they? Yeah. They were given to a people group who, before those 10 commandments, were living off of no commandments. No, yeah. there was no guidelines, no principles for living, no value system, because all they knew was slavery. I've been told when to eat. I've been told when to work. I've been told where to sleep. I've never had to to um, do anything except for what my slave master told me to do. Okay. With that history now, you know, now that you understand some of that history, you'll understand that the law, specifically the Mosaic law is a measure. The Ten Commandments is a measure of grace. It is a demonstration of God's graciousness. When Jesus comes onto the scene and establishes the new covenant, now it's not about fulfilling those Ten Commandments. It's about existing in a love relationship with God, by His Son Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and with each other. And if there is that posture of love with God and love with people, 
the whole law, all those guidelines, all those rules, all of those principles for living are fulfilled by living in a posture of love with God and love with others. And so it can be really confusing because there is this binary juxtaposing, contrasting the law and grace and, and think of it not as two competing realities, but as a linear reality. So Mm. it starts as law and it completes as grace. Mm. It starts as law and it is fulfilled by, by the graciousness of Jesus. And so think of it as like a linear timeline rather than two fighting forces. They're not fighting forces. These are not opposing forces. The law led to a fuller measure of grace. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great way to put it. And I would, I would even also say, um, I've, I've heard it taught that Jesus basically taught the way to view the law. Um, in a sense of like, by saying, love God, love your neighbor, he's like, Hey, this is the way you should view everything is love God, love your neighbor. And everything that's in the law, everything that's in the old covenant must be viewed through the lens of love God, love your neighbor. And if it doesn't love God and love your neighbor, you you need to get rid of it because that wasn't intended to be there. And, And I say that because over the course of history, you know, Moses comes down from, from the mountain with, with this set of laws, um, and over time, they kept adding more and more laws basically to make sure that they didn't break the ones that God gave. They're like, oh, let's just keep creating an outer fence so that we don't break the ones that are really, really important. And over time, generations and generations go by and they would view the outer fence as just as important as the middle one. And so it got to a point where Jesus was like, yo, what are you doing? Like this law is not as important as the one that I, that, that God gave you. Like they're not the same. And so you need to get rid of the ones that don't line up. You need to get rid of the things that don't line up with love God, love your neighbor. Um, And so I think for us as followers of Jesus, we need to view the law. We need to view things the same way that Jesus does. We need to take off of the things that don't love God and don't love neighbor. And we need to keep on the things that love God and love neighbor. And so... You mean, f- you mean Paul's message is relevant for today? Oh, no way. <laughs> Whoever would have thought such a thing that the Bible could be used in our context. Um, but that's what I think that's what Paul's getting at, though, is like, I think he's trying to use the same kind of language that Jesus used because Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor, love, do all these things. You know, he, he says that and he says, uh, um, this fulfills the law and the prophets. That's what Jesus says. Fast forward. Paul, Paul, borrows, said, yes, that Paul theme. borrows that theme and he yeah. gives the fruit of the spirit. He says, this is what the Holy Spirit is all about. And against such things, there, there is, is no, no law. law. Paul, where'd you hear that, man? <laughs> He's like, I heard from this guy named Jesus. He rocks. Um, but you know what I mean? It's just like the, like you said, the law and grace are not fighting against not, each other. The no. law, the law is grace. You know what I mean? Like it, it is an act of grace to us to say, Hey, you need structure. Hey, you need, you need things, um, that will keep you in check from time to time because that's important. You know, kind of like I said, uh, in my message, um, two weeks ago, um, doing a, building a culture of submission, like God, God designed you a certain way with certain bounds and certain restrictions for a reason. Like not everything is beneficial for you as a person to do. It is not good for you to cut your arm off. Like that's not good for you to do. Um, and so I don't know. I just think it's very important to, to make sure that those two things coincide very well of say like the rules that God has placed, the, the things that Jesus commands, like 
Jesus gives some of his own little, you know, what we could call a law because he says, hey, I command you do this. Right. Right. Those things are not anti-grace. They're not anti-faith. It's not creating now a works-based salvation. No, like that's not what's happening here. What's happening is that Jesus is saying, this is the way you were designed to live. So come follow me. Like, come follow me. Um, I've heard it said that we sometimes view Jesus through the lens of Paul rather than Paul through the lens of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that we take the verse, we say, saved by faith, not works from Ephesians. I think that's Ephesians, right? Yeah. Um, and we, we see that and we're like, okay, cool. Now I go to read the gospels and every time Jesus commands me to do something, now I'm super confused. Mm-hmm. I'm like what works? We're not supposed to do anything. We don't have to do anything ever. But in reality, we need to read Jesus, read what he says, and then go to read Paul. Because guess what? Paul knew what Jesus said. Right. So he wouldn't say anything that contradicted. Right. Right. So we go to read Paul and we say, oh, saved by faith, not works. Oh, oh, I understand. My following of Jesus is what saves me. My following of Jesus is, is what gives me life, not these, these extra things that I've added onto the list, not these extra laws, not these, not this list of things. No, what saves me is right relationship with God and right relationship with Christ. No way. And guess what right relationship is with God? Following him, (laughs) doing what he told you to do. Like if I'm not, if I am not following Jesus, then I'm not in step with him. Right. I'm not in right relationship. Man, I've, if this wasn't a podcast, I'd pause for an altar call. An altar call? Right? It's just, seriously, <laughs> though, like you're talking about right relationship with Jesus and like there, that, that is just so important. It is so important and yet so often underemphasized is that you've got to get right with God. Yeah. And if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know God's son, Jesus, like there is one way by one name for, for salvation and it's Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. And so... I would just implore you to get right with God by accepting the free gift of salvation in Jesus. And so we we have this, um, our, our brains are perfectly designed to have those conflicts of like law and grace. Right. And so we automatically, there's this, there's this little saying that goes around in church culture or Christian culture. And I've heard it in circles, Bible study circles and seminary circles and college or whatever. And although there, it is true, it's not, I don't think it's true in the way that people mean it. So I've heard this a million times. Have you ever heard this? That the law reveals our need, mm, yeah. right? It, like it reveals our sinfulness. It reveals right. our need for, for Jesus. And I absolutely agree, but everything reveals our need for Jesus. Mm. Everything does. The the danger in just saying that the law's only function yeah. is to reveal my need for Jesus is actually robbing the law's power of its graciousness wow. as well. That is very, very good. Does that do you understand how I mean? I'm so glad that you said that. Okay, so let me let me try to add a little bit more uh, clarity to that because I I can already hear my Christians and brothers and sisters being like, that sounds heretical. Okay. I am not saying that the law doesn't reveal our need for Jesus, but when we have used that language for many generations, the law has been dumbed down to only mean that it's only 
added value or function is to peel back and reveal our deep need for Christ. Right. It does that, but it was given to a very real people group living on planet earth many years ago because they did not have any other system of structure or system of living or principles or values for living, how to interact, how to be hygienic, how to be fair, how to share, how to live properly. They didn't have that until they had the law. So so God's graciousness has been consistent throughout the full counsel mm. of God. God's grace has never been higher or lower in one part of the counsel of God or another. It's not like God's graciousness started low and ended high. Does that make sense? Yes. God's graciousness was evident and clear from the second he said, let there be light. Right? That's really good. The second God's mouth opened and physics obeyed the sound of his voice, graciousness poured out of this this God that we love. Um, Okay, so... Here, here's my, I want to conclude that thought by, by adding this little, little ditty right here. Um, you can now know that God in the old Testament can sometimes get this reputation of being like angry. Yeah. Right. And God in the new Testament can be like, not angry, mad God, <laughs> happy God. <laughs> and yet, and yet we see how story after story after story in the old Testament, the old covenant which was the covenant of law, was based on um, God's very long fuse that he has towards human sinfulness and the chances that he gives humanity over and over and over again to get it right, and temporarily accepted animal sacrifices as a way to atone for the sinfulness of Israel. And so Israel would sacrifice cows and lambs and birds proportional to the crime committed. There was a sacrifice that was proportional to whatever sinfulness had been occurring. When Jesus took on the cross and spilled the blood, when God spilled his own blood, the the power of that sacrifice was the complete, total atonement for all sin, past, all sin and future, and the greatest demonstration of God's graciousness. All of the Old Testament law is building up to this point. Yeah, It's all this, there's like a dress rehearsal going on that climaxes in the cross of Christ Jesus. And so the Old Testament and the New Testament are not at odds. The New Testament often borrows from the Old Testament to make a greater point, to complete a point yep. that was introduced in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, that point is completed in the New Testament. Yeah. It is, it, I would say that like it's, it's corrected because it was misunderstood from yeah. the very beginning because people just didn't understand it yeah. yet. Like when Jesus would say, you know, you've heard it said this, but I tell you, like, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that. It was even that. further. Like was, you, yes. you've been, you've been told not to murder, but you weren't told that just because the act of killing someone's bad. You were told because hate is bad. Right. Right, like, right. like you need to understand that it's even further, it's even deeper than you actually think it is. Like it's a, it's a correction of, of interpretation. Correct. I want to go back a little bit to what you had said. Um, a couple things that you said. First off, I loved that you said that this view of the law shows us, you know, our need for Jesus and like saying that, making that the isolated purpose of law just completely waters it down. 
Um, and it, it removes any other benefit that the law may have. And it's like, it, like try telling the Israelites <laughs> when they were at the bottom of Mount Sinai being like, Hey, here's all this law. It's just to show you how much you suck. <laughs> <laughs> It's only purpose, like you don't actually have to follow it. It's only purpose is to show that you can't follow it. What? Yeah, no, <laughs> like, that's there's not no its, way. It's, that is not its only function. Like God no. didn't just give this to them as like, ha ha ha, <laughs> jokes on you. Like later, I'm gonna here's have to do this for you. Here's your annual review. <laughs> yeah, you you suck. You have <laughs> like, a. You, you're, it's yeah, just you're a it's bad just ridiculous. Person. Like like how could we assume that that is the only intention that God had with with law? You know what I mean? The next thing I want to address that you said. Um, and I to do this, I want to read from First John. Um, you know, talking, going back to the conversation about like law versus grace being like a, like they're butting heads and the Old Testament is up against the New Testament and how Jesus' commands. Like, I just want, I just want to squash any sort of like, oh, are you saying works? are needed for salvation. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to make sure that nobody walks out of this podcast being like, Oh, so basically Nick and Luke think we need to do all this stuff in order to be saved. (laughs) It's not what I want to happen. (laughs) Um, and so here's how I can prove to you that that's not what we're doing and that this is all in scripture. And I can do that by reading first John starting verse three. We know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commands, Do you want to know what right relationship with Jesus looks like? Keeping his commands. Continue on verse four. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command. This is not a new command, Dude, but an old that's so one. Good. That's so good. But you have had, which you have had since the beginning. Man, scathing review of humanity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yet a very clear, compelling uh, call to. Um, oh man, just reject the notion that following Jesus means looking at a grocery list and making sure that you check all the boxes. Yeah. And then also squashing the other hand, the other side of the coin, like the other extreme end of being like, oh, all I have to do is just be like... Except oh, except Jesus, now nothing's yeah, demanded of Jesus, me. you're cool. Peace. I'm done. Man, I'm, I'm just t- going to do whatever the heck I want. I said the thing I needed yeah, to say. I like know. We take the verse, like, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we yep. take that out of context. We just, like, pluck it right out, and we're like, oh... So you're saying, all I have to do is just say, hey, Jesus, you're Lord. Boom. Done. Wiped clean. <laughs> Magic. Slate is wiped. I am right with God. Like, no. Like when Paul says, confess that Christ is Lord, you know what that means? It means that you're actually saying from your heart of hearts, Jesus, you are Lord. And that means I give you everything. That means I give you every part of me. That means like that is a, a statement supported through action. And that is exactly what John's getting at in First John. If you say, Jesus, you're Lord, but your actions don't say Jesus is Lord, then you're lying. Right. Your words, your words aren't real. Right. Yeah. Like it's very, it's very simple. And I think we just, we've shot right over it. (laughs) Someone very close to me, I'll never share this person's name, but this person once said to me, um, after I asked this person, 
how their walk with the Lord was. And this person replied, well, I accepted Jesus years ago. What else do I need to do? Mm. And it was just clear to me that this individual was of the belief that the accepting, accepting Jesus as savior was very much just like a ticket. Like it was a ticket out of hell. Yeah. That's what it was. The get out of, get out of hell free card. Get out of hell free card. And, but nowhere in scripture does it suggest such a thing. And and this is why the danger of, (laughs) and I, I say this with a little bit of humor because there's, it can be cute, but like nowhere in scripture are we commanded or instructed to ask Jesus into our hearts. Yeah. And look, and I then from there be like, we're good. I say that with a with a lot of caution because I know wonderful Jesus followers who did that very thing, and and still kind of promote that very thing. Here's here's the issue with it: it doesn't exist in God's word. There's no precedent for asking Jesus in our hearts in God's word, and also like our hearts are a very corrupt place, a very dark place, and so I'm not sure Jesus wants to live there. <laughs> um, but instead. <laughs> But instead, instead, the scripture commands us to follow, to follow yeah. Jesus. And there's scripture about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. I don't know that we get right with God in a moment as much as we become right with God over time. Yeah. And I think that um, although salvation, I do think is in a spiritual, mysterious sense, instantaneous yeah. when we believe, when we yeah. believe. Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord, Jesus as Savior can be very much a moment. Jesus yeah. as Lord can very much become a lifetime. Yeah. Very much to mm-hmm. what you spoke about a couple of weeks ago. We don't love Jesus as Lord, but we very much like Jesus as Savior. Yeah. Well, it's easier. We're like, oh, cool. Oh, it's so easy. I just have to say, yes, I checked the box and now I can show up at the gates of heaven and give Peter my Here, ticket. But here's the danger. Here's the danger. The danger is the passage when the disciples came up to Jesus and said, well, do we drove out demons in your names, in your name? We did miracles in your name. And Jesus says, I don't don't even know you. Which, and and I'll just, let me just be the first to say, maybe some of you listeners are in the same boat, but I, I had a spiritual panic attack (laughs) the first time I read that passage. Yeah, it's terrifying, man. I took a class in college, um, in, it was one of my Bible classes, um, it was on Galatians and James basically analyzing faith versus works. And we're going through some different things and, and we pull up Matthew seven and it, and it says the, you know, we did all these things for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, I never knew you. And then we go to Matthew 25 and it says, you know, Oh, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. Like you didn't care for the least of these don't know you. And I'm sitting here looking at this after hearing all of my life, all of my life, I had heard those things of the law's only purpose is to show you your need for Jesus. I've heard things like you accept Jesus into your heart and you're in. And the reason that Jesus came is to be your get out of hell free card. Like that, those are the types of things that I was taught by many people. And so when I walk in and I read those passages that I'd never seen before, like, because they don't like to teach those low, they don't like to teach those passages. The one that says, I never knew you. And nobody's like, no, we want Jesus to be like, oh, I know you totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Jesus calls me friend. Yes. Yes. Jesus is a friend of mine. Um, but <laughs> reading those passages seriously freaked me out. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, my whole faith just collapsed. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Like this box that I had created of, of 
I'm saved by my confession of faith and nothing else, and then I'm done. Just completely fell apart by Jesus's words, (laughs) by Jesus's words. And it's like, man, how, what that reveals to me is that we made a mistake along the way. If the words of Jesus make your theology fall apart, then your theology wasn't right. Hmm. Like, it's as simple as that. Because Jesus, Jesus needs to be the framework for your theology. Because he's literally God. <laughs> Jesus, the greatest theologian ever. <laughs> because it's just the, it's just the study of the study of himself. Like that's literally <laughs> what he does. Um, and so I just want to ease any minds on that one. Sure. Um, if you are in that boat right now, hearing some of these words, and you're like, "Oh shoot, what? Like, I'm screwed. Like, what am I gonna do? You know, um, I've been there." <laughs> And it's okay. <laughs> you yeah. are okay. It is okay. Um, and if you have questions, you want to talk about it, please Anytime. reach out to us. We'd be happy to walk through this with you yeah. um, just as we have and um, do all the things. Can I, can, I, can I respond to that? Because yeah, that was really, really touching, man. I'm so grateful you brought it up. Man, our podcasts go places, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, two thoughts. One, for someone who is internally wrestling with like, how much do I have to do for Jesus? Mm. And how much do I have to like live, yep, live for Jesus for him to look at me and say like, well done, good and faithful servant or you did it. Yeah. Or, uh, I I just don't ever want to hear Jesus say, I never knew you. So how much do I have to do to make sure that I never hear? I never knew you. And I, I think that the, that very question is, is the problem. It's the self-defeating question. Yep. The, the question assumes that there is a measurable yeah. amount that you can do to make Jesus happy. And so it would be like if, if, a, if a doggy were to get outside your back door and you had no fence, okay? And that doggy took off and that doggy was gone. And it was like, that was my favorite doggy. And then you had enough wisdom to put a collar on that dog with your phone number. And someone was like, Hey, I found, you know, Fido or whatever your Fido, you know, whatever your dog's name is. I (laughs) I found him and, um, I'm going to bring him home to you. Oh, thank you. So you get your dog back. What are you going to do differently next time to make sure that dog doesn't get out? You're either going to put up an electric fence or you're going to put up like a backyard Mm -hmm. fence of, of some kind. That fence is is the law. Yeah. Okay. That fence is the law. And when Jesus came and he fulfilled the law, he made sure that the fence was a relationship with him. Mm. And that fence is now an intimate knowledge of who Jesus is and Jesus' intimate knowledge of who we are. And he invites us into this dynamic love relationship. Can it's hard to put ourselves in Christ's shoes, but can you imagine if you sacrificed your body and your life the way Jesus did, and the only thing that it did for the people you sacrificed for was retrieve them out of permanency in hell, but never actually entered into a love yeah. relationship with you? Yeah. It'd be like, it, almost like a slap in the face. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's just, it's kind of offensive. I can only imagine how offensive it would be to Jesus to be like, I saved you, not 
just from hell, but for me. Yeah. And I think that's, that's mm-hmm. the key. So, so for, for the person who's wondering like, well, how much do I have to work for God to make sure he never says to me, I never knew you hear me when I say the more intimate your relationship becomes with the living God, the more you will find yourself among the poor, yep. among service, among sacrifice, among the things that matter most to Jesus. Yep. The more you get to know Jesus' heart, the more you'll get to know what Jesus cares about most, and those things will become things that you also begin to care yep. about. You'll begin to develop fruit of the Spirit. So I, I know it sounds... But people don't like... We don't like thinking like that. We no. want to know, hey, give me the give me the list. Yeah. Give me the things I got to do. Yep. And But that's the problem, is that Jesus doesn't... He, he completes the list for yeah. us and says, now I want a love relationship with you. And I want you to have that same kind of love for, for my other children, your brothers and sisters. And so don't worry about it. it it's the, the person you said you had a panic attack mm-hmm. at one point. Um, that tells me that you are very concerned about your faith. And that is a good thing. I'm worried about the person who would never be concerned about that. Yeah. That is the person who's just like, I just wanted to take it from hell, man. Yep. I just wanted to get out of hell. That's all I needed. That is the person that Jesus has to, to deal with. Yeah. And you know what's funny is that uh, the professor of that class that I took, I actually, I set up a call with him. I was like, I need help, man. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I understand that you're like teaching me and all the things. And I understand that um, like, that's just like, you've taught me what you've taught me. And I was like, but here's the thing. I want to be a pastor. And I mm-hmm. am having a crisis. I was like, I need you to help me off the ledge here. And he was just like, do you want to follow Jesus? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, then don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that dude, I think that's a beautiful like, answer. Like, why are you so worried about it? Yeah. The only reason you should worry about it is if you're trying to find a loophole to not follow Jesus. There you go. Dude, and if you're trying to, that again. And you're, if you're trying to find a loophole to not follow Jesus... Then that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, that is, you said it way better. Like, Good job, man. Like, let this ease your spirit. If you are just, if you just say, oh, I want to be like Jesus and I want to do, I want to try my best to do what Jesus did. And guess what? God knows your heart. Yeah. God knows your heart. And we love that phrase in the sense of like, oh, God knows I didn't mean it. Actually, God knows that you did. <laughs> Which is so scary. Like, God knows that you did. God knows the people that actually tried. Yeah. God knows who actually was like, I really want to give Jesus everything. And I'm not perfect and I won't always get it right, but I want to. God knows those people. Yeah. He knows who those people yeah. are. And he knows the people that are like, ah, I'm just going to do what I have to do. And I'm going to figure out what I need to do. And I'm going to do that. And then I'm done because I don't want to. And he looks at that person. And he says, I never knew you. You never knew me. You didn't actually know my heart at all. Yeah. And, it, and so don't worry about it. If, if you want to follow Jesus, follow Jesus and don't worry about it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the, you know, to quell any other anxiety, any of our listeners might be listening to right now. They're like, why do I listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> to quell any, any anxiety or fear. Following Jesus, the pressure is off. Yeah. The pressure is, Jesus is a low pressure God. Yeah. He, he, not only is he the only true God and every other God is demonic and, and not God, but another podcast, <laughs> different podcast, different time, which I did. I'm there for that podcast. Trust me. Um, low pressure. 
the, the pressure is off. The invitation is on. Yeah. It, Jesus does not obligate. He invites. Yeah. And that invitation is either something we accept or reject. Yep. When we accept that invitation, we will find ourselves beginning to care about the things Jesus has claimed to care about. And the closer we find ourselves in the proximity intimacy with Jesus, the further we distance ourselves from the things that we held in high value at one point yeah. in our life. But we're like, you know what? That is just not as important to me as it once was. Uh, all the ways that I would divide myself and label people. Um, and, you know, I would um, do all these things to to myself or to others that would devalue life and, now, all of a sudden, I begin to have a value system that's commensurate with Jesus because of my intimacy with him. The, I, the best thing I've heard in, in 2023 is from a leader in a group called Transformation Ministries, and uh, his their whole ministry is to counsel and love on and, and resource pastors, just like us at local church plants. And uh, I went to one of his events, and they're an awesome group. And one of the leaders gets up, and he says, we have a firm, deep conviction that you are not called to ministry. You are called to intimacy mm. and out of intimacy, ministry flows naturally. Yep. And those words of permission talk about the pressure just coming off. Yeah. Right. And how the principal um, job description for any Christian is to have a meaningful, dynamic, growing yeah relationship with Jesus that leads to great things he has in store for us, planned and advanced yep. for us to engage in. Well, I mean, that's uh, to cite, to cite some Jesus to support that idea. Um, in Mark 3, when he says he picked his disciples that they might be with him. Mm. And then in John 15, when he says, you know, I'm the vine, you are the branches, abide in me mm -hmm. and you will bear fruit. There you go. What fruit are you going to bear? Fruit of the spirit, my friends. Come on. Fruit of the spirit. Preach uh, it. Let me just, let me just read that passage one more time in the context of, um, of what all we just talked about. And then we'll, uh, be closing out here. So I say, walk by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not in right relationship. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the products of right relationship, of intimacy. Against such things, those fruit, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. They put it to death. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other.
So that's where we're going to end today. Um, next time, uh, there is a sermon question that I, we want to address. I uh, didn't end up having time for it today, but we're going to talk about it next time. Uh, so that'll be fun. If you have questions or things you want us to talk about on the podcast, please let us know. You can do that by going to the media tab on our website at mercyroadnw.com. And on our website, you'll also be able to find more details and information about our community. And you can get a hold of me or Luke directly as well if you go to the staff page. So thanks for joining us. And we will talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.